Hey everyone, this is Tom Hunt of the Wireless Communications Alliance, and you're listening to the Connections Podcast, where we provide a deeper dive into all things wireless. Today we're talking about Open Wi-Fi, a community-developed disaggregated Wi-Fi software system, with our guest Yu Reese, VP of Business Development at NetExperience. Yu, good to talk to you again. Thanks very much, Tom. This is uh, an interesting subject. We're working on uh, open Wi-Fi and TIP. It's old news to me. We've been involved with open Wi-Fi and NetExperience for quite some time. But can you take a moment and give our listeners an overview of TIP and open Wi-Fi? Yes, absolutely. So I think the, uh, the t- TIP uh, is the Telecom Infra Project. And it was a uh, an organization uh, started originally by service providers, some of the world's big service providers, the you know the Comcasts, AT and Ts, BTs, Deutsche Telekoms of the world. Um, it now consists of about uh, or approximately a thousand members, of which, of course, there are many service providers, but there are also many uh, technology providers like uh, NetExperience that are members as well. And the goal of TIP uh, was to disaggregate networks. And uh, by disaggregation, we really mean separating software from hardware and making things interoperable. And TIP as a whole encompasses many internet technologies and mobile technologies. Uh, But one of the parts of TIP is the open Wi-Fi program. You may have also heard of the open RAN program, but this is specific to us is the open Wi-Fi program, which is a disaggregated wireless LAN or Wi-Fi. So uh, exactly the same thing applies. The architecture is defined by TIP. Um, it has a, a, an a open, it's based on an open source uh, code base uh, and it separates, of course, that software from the hardware. And TIP doesn't just define the architecture. TIP's actually a lot more involved than that. They they certify. So that is to say they take hardware from different access point vendors, software from different providers like us, uh, and they make sure that they comply with the TIP specifications. They make sure that they interoperate. In fact, they run uh, several labs around the world where they do literally nightly builds and testing of all the APs. Uh, so the idea being, of course, that if something is TIP certified, it can be uh, bought by a service provider and they would have confidence that it's going to work uh, correctly, uh, assuming that they've bought uh, TIP uh, compatible software to uh, control and run those access points. It's really interesting the the nature of open Wi-Fi and TIP. Tell me, you how did NetExperience get involved with TIP and why? It's a good question because we kind of started, um, we were contracted by TIP originally when they started the open Wi-Fi uh, program. So this was back in 2019. And we were contracted by to write the the code for both the uh, firmware layer inside the access points and the cloud SDK layer uh, on the cloud side. And the reason that they contracted with us is that we had a team that was were 
and are world experts in developing software for access points and software in the cloud to manage and control that, uh, that those access points. So we had a core uh, intellectual property uh, software base that we worked from, and we developed it, as I say, under contract from TIP to produce what is now um, the open source code for the, uh, f- uh, the for the firmware for the access points and also the SDK or cloud SDK layer uh, for um, anybody to download and, and be able to manage those access points. In, in addition to that, we've developed our own product that sits on top of the cloud level, level which is a full management and controller platform for for Wi-Fi, for uh, um, for for open Wi-Fi, uh, but the the core stuff that Tip provides to people has a lot of our code in, in it. Now we're not the only contributors. We, although we started and we were contracted by Tip to do this, we are certainly not the only contributors to open source. Of course, that wouldn't make any sense. Uh, there are a lot of other contributors and more coming in, but we kind of started it. And then uh, it's really taken on a life of its own now. And there are literally, uh, you know, dozens or hundreds of developers around the world that are working on uh, the open source part of the uh, open Wi-Fi. Hugh, as we look at the open nature of open Wi-Fi and open source in general, where do you have not only software players and interoperability to hardware players, how do you deal with security and how is security achieved? Because it would seem that between the hardware and the software, there could be some challenges. Yeah, this was very carefully thought out by TIP originally and uh, specified uh, very, uh, very well. And that basically means that every uh, TIP access point, well, TIP doesn't make access points, but all of the vendors that make uh, TIP compatible uh, open Wi-Fi access points uh, as part of that certification process, they must install uh, uh, an X509 certificate on the access point. Uh, and this is from uh, DigiCert. So TIP has a complete uh, set of certificates that access point vendors can get and install on their access points. And as I said, they must do that. Otherwise, it will not pass certification. And then, of course, it means that we can authenticate um, securely with every access point that is produced and deployed in an open Wi-Fi environment. You mentioned interoperability and certification. Who does the certification? Are the companies doing that themselves? Or is there a certification body like there is in LTE and other technologies? Yeah, I think that's a, I mean, obviously, Wi-Fi has a certification uh, on its own anyway. Of course, they must be compliant with the Wi-Fi uh, requirements of Wi-Fi 6, for example, now and then going forward with Wi-Fi 7. Uh, but in addition to that, there is the TIP certification. So TIP themselves are doing certification, which is really um a guarantee of the interoperability between the software and the hardware. So again, if you're using uh, TIP compatible and certified software with TIP compatible and certified hardware, then they are guaranteed to work together. And who's the biggest benefactor of open Wi-Fi? Well, I think probably the service providers are the biggest uh, benefactor. I think the the reason is, of course, we well, you know why why do this in the first place. 
If you look at Wi-Fi, the way it's been deployed the last uh, number of years, decades, really, uh, it's a very siloed approach. And that is to say that, you know, you could buy any of the big brands. It doesn't matter who I mentioned, you know, a Cisco, Aruba, Meraki, Ruckus, it doesn't matter. They're, they're siloed. And that is to say that um, once you've kind of selected a vendor, uh, you're kind of stuck with that. It's called vendor lock. <laughs> and uh, you can't, for example, decide, oh, well, I like the Cisco controller, but I think I'll add an Aruba access point to it. Nope, <laughs> that will not work. Uh, so uh, you're kind of stuck with whatever that vendor does. So you have your silos of uh, deployments of specific brands. Uh, it, it results in that vendor lock, which for a service provider can be um, can be difficult. Um, maybe they don't have the exact products that they want. Uh, they don't have the exact type of AP maybe that they want. Or even in a more likely scenario, uh, the pricing, for example, can, can spiral up because they know the, the, the uh, supplier knows that they've got that service provider locked. Uh, so the benefit of open Wi-Fi is that that goes away, uh, that eliminates that vendor lock uh, situation, which um, has really a couple of major benefits to the service provider, uh, maybe two or three. They, there are the, of course, the pricing issue is one, but that's not the only thing. It's the um, security of supply right now is a good example, right, where uh, we have supply chain issues around the world, but there are multiple now providers of access points uh, under open Wi-Fi. And do they have supply chain issues? Sure, they, they might, they may, but they probably all don't have the same issues at the same time. And that's certainly what we're finding, which means that if you've um, certified with open Wi-Fi, you can switch uh, vendors to somebody that can at least supply you the product in, in reasonable time. Uh, so that's another great benefit. The other benefit is that, uh, and one that you know, perhaps people don't think about. I talked about the siloed approach from the uh, the big brands. The nice thing about open Wi-Fi is it kind of flattens the architecture here. And uh, my CEO likes to say, you know, when you think about cellular or mobile networks, you don't have different mobile networks for different use cases. You know, business and enterprise use the same mobile networks as consumers. And in Wi-Fi, that hasn't necessarily been the case. You've had these you know, enterprise ones, and then you've had maybe ones targeted at hospitality and ones targeted at a consumer, and they're all different, um, and they don't work together. Uh, with open Wi-Fi, that goes away because really what you get is a superset portfolio of products that can, that are the access points specifically, that you can deploy in any of those environments I just talked about, or so use cases I just talked about, and yet use the same management and controller infrastructure. So you, you, you now kind of flatten that architecture. You've got one architecture for all Wi-Fi use cases instead of those siloed approaches. And as we look at um, a, a non-siloed approach, a superset of features, what vertical markets uh, tend to be adopting open Wi-Fi? Yeah, so what we've noticed, um, and it's actually been uh, quite clear in terms of the trend, uh, is that the initial markets for open Wi-Fi seem to be um, uh, MDUs um, and uh, hospitality, and then followed a little bit by public Wi-Fi, uh, and, and, and maybe some SMB. What we're, what we haven't seen yet is enterprise. And I'll come on to why I, I think that's the case. Uh, 
I think the reason that we're seeing the um, MDU in particular is a very interesting use case. Uh, they, if you think about an MDU, um, it's a complex environment from an RF perspective. Uh, a typical apartment will have a neighbor above them, below them, to the left of them, to the right of them, diagonally from them. A lot of that produces a lot of RF pollution and interference because if you use non-managed Wi-Fi in all of those uh, apartment uh, apartments, you'll get people blasting the highest power AP they can in their environment, and everybody's doing the same thing, resulting in nobody getting particularly good Wi-Fi uh, performance. If you use a full management controller uh, in order to manage that within MDUs, you can provide much better quality of Wi-Fi for the end users in that environment. So that's one where we're seeing the low cost of open Wi-Fi really uh, dovetail nicely into an environment that needs that kind of management control approach. Um, I think uh, hospitality, of course, is a similar kind of thing. And, and uh, certainly we're seeing uh, a lot of uptake in hospitality as well. Public Wi-Fi, uh, we've seen perhaps more in uh, a couple of different areas. We've seen quite a bit of that in um, more developing nations. And there's been in, in specifically in South America and in uh, Africa, uh, where uh, Wi-Fi is a more cost-effective solution than you know 5G deployments, which are very expensive. So I think again the the cost benefit, uh, total cost of ownership associated with open Wi-Fi meets it means that it's enabling these types of new Wi-Fi deployments in public Wi-Fi. Uh, and I think the reason I mentioned earlier that we haven't yet seen the sort of enterprise flip I th is I think the enterprise is kind of slower to adopt these types of newer technologies. And they do have their kind of preferred vendors that they've been working with for many, many years with many other parts of their network. And they will be slower uh, to to move over to open Wi-Fi. But I think ultimately, um, the, the whole market at some point will uh, will shift, and we're seeing massive opportunities associated with this right now. Uh, to clarify for our listeners, MDU, uh, you're you're referring to multi dwelling units. Yes, you I am. Yes, apartment buildings, if you like. Yeah, yeah. The enterprise has been trying to solve access point and Wi Fi problems for years, and a move to an open Wi-Fi solution could mean re-architecting their entire install base, which can be challenging. Uh, although many vendors are adopting open Wi-Fi, where are we with open Wi-Fi deployments? So we've uh, they're in uh, you know full deployments now. Are uh, probably the the best known one uh, that is publicly. Uh, uh, public knowledge, it would be Boingo. Uh, Boingo is deploying, is right uh, now deploying uh, 68,000 access points using open Wi-Fi. Uh, they've chosen a couple of different hardware vendors, uh, Edgecore and CIG, as their hardware vendors, uh, and they are deploying them. Uh, it's, a, it's a contract they have with the U.S. military. It's for the barracks, for the soldiers' barracks. Uh, which is uh, quite a 
uh, stressful Wi-Fi environment because they play a lot of games <laughs> uh, when they're in their downtime, and uh, so they've and of course stream a lot of movies and things like that. So it's quite stressful on on the Wi-Fi when you've got a lot of soldiers in the barracks uh, that are using it uh, intensively. Um, so they've been uh, they've had uh, that contract for many years. They're doing a replacement program, so they're replacing some very old uh, technology they have uh, with open Wi-Fi. Uh, and as I say, 68,000 is the initial uh, rollout. It will take uh, a year and a half, I think, probably to get all of those deployed. But that's uh, the first sort of major one that we have uh, secured as a customer. But there are many others that are also not into that kind of size, but we have, uh, we have the, many others in both uh, in North America, South America, Europe, and Africa. Uh, so kind of around the world, we're seeing uh, a lot of these deployments taking place. A another good example, I'll give you one in Africa, was uh, the uh, Kenyatta University. Um, this is a university campus, a uh, pretty sizable campus, uh, where they wanted to deploy a lot of outdoor Wi-Fi. Um, this was primarily because... Uh, a year or so ago, they were in the midst of a big COVID surge, and they needed to really get the students' classes and things like that in outdoor environments. And uh, so we did a complete deployment of a campus, that campus-wide outdoor Wi-Fi. So there's lots of good examples, and there are literally dozens and dozens of trials running all around the world as well, places like Pakistan and India, as well as uh, some of the uh, other uh, continents and countries that I mentioned. The last question I was talking about deployments in general, and you answered the question that I was going to ask next, which was net experience customers. And Boingo is definitely a net experience customer. Why did you, do you think they chose net experience as their provider? Well, I think we were obviously the first there. So we had that first mover advantage. Um, I think when they looked at what we had done and what our commercial product is that sits on top of the open Wi-Fi stack, they saw that it was very well thought through. It's a, it's, it has a, a, a very rich feature set. Um, it also has a rich set of APIs. So from their perspective, it was, it was ideal for what they wanted. It did the man, the full management function, the full controller function. So, you know, the automatic uh, band steering, client steering stuff. And, and, and then it also had a rich set of APIs, which meant it was relatively easy for them to integrate it into their existing infrastructure, their back office infrastructure. Uh, and that's key for them because obviously they don't want to be swivel chairing from, you know, one application to another. They want to, they want to basically use their own infrastructure. And it was, it was easy for them to integrate uh, with our product. So I think for all of those reasons, we got the opportunity. And of course we've been, uh, very keen in supporting them and uh, really helping them. I really feel like we've got a team effort going with uh, Boingo and with their engineering team and with our engineering team. They they requested some additional features, for example, that we didn't have. We developed them and uh, launched them very quickly. Uh, so we have that capability. We we uh, it's probably worth mentioning. Net Experience has two 
development teams in it. It has a development team on the firmware side for the access point and a development team on the cloud side. So if there's a feature that requires something in the AP or something in the cloud or often some combination of the two, then we have the ability to do, to do that and uh, obviously to fix bugs similarly. And when customers are requesting feature enhancements, these feature enhancements, whether they take place in the AP or in the cloud, are in your commercial product, not necessarily in the standardized TIP platform, correct? That's a good point. I think um, the way to answer that is to say it depends. Um, so some some of the features that we develop that we think are generally general use features, then we will contribute that back to the open source. Features that are kind of more much more specific to something that we're doing, some project that we're doing, we may not release that back into the open source code. We want to be um, good citizens of the open source, so we want we don't want to just take. We want to also contribute, as we have in the past, and will continue to do so in the future. So we are very actively involved in the open source enhancements, as well as uh, some of these more specific things we do on our commercial product. What is something that occurred within the open Wi-Fi community recently that has surprised you? I think my the surprise for, for me personally is just how quickly this seems to be uh, becoming adopted, or at least how quickly people are are trialing this and testing it out. I, I thought this would be kind of a long haul. Uh, when I first joined that experience. Um, and I, 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 I was very surprised at how quickly this moved. I, I think that the reason it moved so quickly, in, in my mind at least, was there's this, this sort of groundswell of support from the service providers themselves who were the original members of TIP. Plus, I probably worth mentioning that Meta or Facebook as it was, uh, is also a very strong proponent of this, and they've committed some significant resources to TIP, uh, and they've helped to to kind of push it uh, forward as well. So that that would that's my uh, the, the most surprising thing to me. So taking out your crystal ball and looking to the future, specifically of Wi-Fi, what are the two to three future Wi-Fi based innovations? that we look at downstream that will have the biggest impact on open Wi-Fi, both positive and potentially negative? Yeah, I I don't think there's a lot of negatives. Um, and as I said, probably the biggest negative I can see is just the slow adoption by enterprise. And of course, the, you know, the big brands are going to fight this. Um, so, we're, you know, we're not assuming that they're going to lie a lie down and let us run over them. Uh, so, so I think there's, you know, that, that kind of thing is potentially negative, but the positives are, are many. I mean, I think this um, open networking technology in general is gaining uh, momentum. And uh, let me give you an example of where I think this, this is going. I'm pretty sure fairly sure it's going, is that, okay, we're looking at open Wi-Fi, but open Wi-Fi, if you look at the how you deploy Wi-Fi, there's a lot of switches usually deployed as part of open, uh, of, a part of Wi-Fi. And of course, there's a very, there's a big shift now to move towards launching an, what they call open POE or open switch uh, uh, um, 
uh, initiative as part of TIP as well. I think that will happen in 2023. That will be a huge positive as well, um, because again, that means the, the whole environment then that switch and the Wi-Fi access points can be managed from the same uh, application. So I, I think there's a, uh, there's a lot of uh, momentum there. And I think the other benefit that open Wi-Fi has is, is uh, the velocity of innovation. And that is when you have an, an open source-based architecture, you get these developers all around the world that are contributing small pieces of code here and there that maybe have some specific uh, use case, but it means there's a lot of these coming in. So the overall feature set of open Wi-Fi starts to really rapidly uh, increase. So it's not a matter, it's not really a matter of you know, open Wi-Fi trying to catch uh, the, the brands. It's really how fast it goes sailing past with, a, um, with that superset of, of features and superset of access points. So I think there's so many positives. Uh, I can't really see how this could fail. Uh, it looks very, very strong in terms of the uh, market reception and uh, the whole velocity of innovation, as I said, moving forward. Hugh, where can our listeners find you and learn more about NetExperience? So probably the easiest thing is, of course, to go on the website, uh, uh, netexperience.com. Uh, and there's uh, you can um, click a link there for a free trial. You can test it out. Uh, we can even get you APs uh, as well as the, you know, we can get the hardware as well as the software. So you can actually try it in real life. Um, there's contact information there. Uh, my uh, email is hugh at h-u-w at netexperience.com. So you can always email me directly or get me on LinkedIn, of course. Um, there's lots of ways to contact us. And then if you look, if you're just looking more on the tip side, you, you're interested really in the overarching, you know, initiative, uh, the telecom infra project has a very good set of slides on their uh, website and a lot of good information there as well. So I certainly encourage you to go there. And they, of course, are uh, the uh, keepers of the uh, repository for the for the open source code. If you want to actually get the code and start playing with it, you can free of charge. You don't even have to be a TIP member to do that. Hugh, thank you very much for your time today. We appreciate you sharing with our listeners the latest updates on open Wi-Fi and, and the exciting things that are happening with NetExperience and the momentum this initiative is gaining. Thank you very much, Tom. Thank you for joining us today on Connections. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, please subscribe at the WCA website or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next week for a new episode. Music.